All right, good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Today we're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture. So if you could turn to Habakkuk chapter 2, and then put your little Bible ribbon there. And then the other passage is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So put a bookmark at Habakkuk, which is in the Old Testament. It's one of the minor prophets. It might be a little difficult to find, but it's toward the end of the Old Testament. Habakkuk chapter 2. And then the other passage is from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is the passages we're going to be looking at today. It's good to see everybody. I know you feel the same about me. (laughs) Good to see everyone. Uh, Today, I'm going to finish my sermon series on wisdom with time. My first message, I preached uh, five messages thus far. One, two, three, four, five. This will be my sixth message. Message, one, two, three, four. I'm sorry, fourth, four messages. This will be my fifth and last message. My first message was make the most of every opportunity. In that message, I talked about how the Bible says, number your days that you may gain a heart of wisdom. And one of the best ways that you can live your life with wisdom is to number your days and understand that your life on earth is limited. And God has called you to live it on purpose. My second message was called the power of your presence. I talked about the importance of being fully present in an age where we tend to be very ADHD, where we have an attention deficit disorder going on among many young people because of all the smartphones and social media we're, we're constantly on. You know, the Facebook news feed is designed in such a way to create your brain to be distracted from one thing to another. It doesn't doesn't help you to focus. It helps you to just go from one thing to another, to another, to another. And sometimes that spills over into our lives. And I talked about how we got to learn how to be disciplined and be fully present, especially when we're spending time with people that are important to us, especially when you're spending time with God. We got to learn to be fully present. Amen. The third message I preached was the the harness your willpower. And I talked about how willpower studies have shown is not an inexhaustible resource that we possess. We've got to learn how to focus and put our priorities on the things that are most important. And understand that when, when your willpower is spent, you're, gonna feel, you're not going to feel the energy to be able to do the most important things that you need to do. Um, and the last sermon I preached was called Punctuality and Integrity. And I talked about how being on time is not just about improving a bad habit, but it has to do with our integrity. As Christians who say that we will do what we said we will do, Jesus said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We got to be a people who keep our word. Amen? Amen. And so I talked about how punctuality is connected with integrity. Today I'm going to finish my sermon series on time by talking about punctuality again. Why? Because it is, it is one of the most, I believe, keystone habits regarding all our habits with time. If we can learn to be punctual, we will learn how to manage our time well. And so today we're going to look at two Bible verses. I want you to look at Habakkuk chapter 2. Let's read verse 3. I'm going to read in the ESV. Ready or not, here we go. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. Somebody say, wait for it. It It will surely come. It will not delay. Amen. You know, in the book of Hebrews, this Old Testament prophecy is actually paraphrased. To talk about Christ and his second coming. 
that he will surely come and he will not delay. Amen. Jesus is going to return. And he's going to return in power and glory. And it may look like he's delaying, but he ain't. He's coming at the appointed time. And let me tell you something about Jesus. He's always punctual. Our God is an on-time God. Amen. Amen. You know, when the Israelites were at the uh, edge of the Red Sea and the Egyptian army was getting closer and closer, you know, the Israelites started to panic. They were like, oh, no, we came all the way out here to die by the edge of the Red Sea, not knowing that our God is always an on-time God. He showed up just in time for that Red Sea to part. Just in time for them to cross over and just in time for that Red Sea to close in on the Egyptian army and completely annihilated that army, that great nation of that time. Our guys are on time, God. Amen? Amen. Now, this passage today, it talks about how the vision awaits its appointed time. You know, God has given our, our church a very specific prophetic vision. You know, our overall vision and mission is to raise up an army of mighty warriors it's to build up a church ministry that's a little bit different than maybe the ministries that you grew up with a church that is full of people who know their identity who people who know their kingdom authority jesus said in luke 10 19 behold i give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy nothing shall harm you but many times christians in the church They don't know that authority or they have head knowledge, but a lot of times they're not trampling on the serpent and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. All the power of the enemy is oftentimes trampling on them. And so New Philly's vision is to raise up a church full of mighty warriors, full of people that know their identity and they know and they walk in kingdom authority. They know that while we are on this earth, we are ambassadors for Christ. They know that while we are on this earth, where is a battle to wage? Although the victory is won, the cleanup job is still to be done. And God's people, we got to rise up and advance the dominion of the king of kings into every area where Satan has set up his dominion. So New Philly has a very specific prophetic vision. And from the time that I took over as the lead pastor in 2008... The Lord has given us an amazing treasury of prophetic visions, dreams, and words. I actually have a folder on my MacBook Air. And in that folder, I have found away prophetic words, visions, dreams that I've received from different men of God throughout the years. And God used all kinds of people. People within our church, people who are visiting Korea. Leaders of different ministries, like International House of Prayer, who've come by, prophesied. We have an amazing treasury of prophetic words. And there are visions and words that have already been fulfilled. For example, in 2009, when my college mentor, Brother Michael, who has a very strong gift of prophecy, he was visiting Korea. And during that visit, we went out evangelizing one day. On the streets of Itaewon. How many of you guys were out there for the evangelism? That's right. Now, you guys are real Christians. You guys go out and evangelize. I'm just playing. All right. Uh, you guys were there. That day, when we were about to go out evangelizing, I did a closing prayer. And when I prayed, I don't know why, but I prayed, Lord, establish a church plant in Itaewon that will transform the neighborhood's dark atmosphere. And immediately when I spoke that out, I remember Brother Michael saying, Hallelujah! That's the Lord! That's the Lord! That's the word of the Lord right there! (laughs) And God's going to do it. God's going to do it through you. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! (laughs) In less than one year after I spoke that out and Brother Michael confirmed it, New Philly, we assembled a team and we planted a church in Itaewon. We weren't planning on doing it. But when that prophetic word went out, I didn't even know I was prophesying. I was saying, Lord, let somebody else do it. <laughs> and the Lord was like, yep, yeah, it just went out and went back in. <laughs> Another uh, prophetic word that's really neat is there's a gentleman named Rob Hodgkin. He's a minister with Extreme Prophetic. 
Uh, it's a ministry of Patricia King. He visited our church in February of 2010, and he did a little bit of training with us. And one night, we had a thick time of worship and praise, and it was powerful. And all of a sudden, Rob Hodgkin, he just lay down on the ground. And we, we thought he was just being prostrate before the Lord, you know? Sometimes we kneel. But when, when people get real dramatic, they just get prostrate on the ground with their face on the ground, getting all dirty, and they don't care. You know, that's what King David did before the Lord. Rob Hodgkin was prostrate on the ground, and we just thought he was just, you know, worshiping the Lord. Not knowing that, later on, he told us he went into like a trance. And he said that he appeared in a vision before the Lord in heaven. And he saw the Lord just kind of waving his hand. He was sitting on a throne. And the Lord was just waving his hand back and forth. And Jesus was there as well, just waving his hand. And he was actually bopping his feet or something like that. I guess we were praising in rhythm that night. And he said this. He said, you have made a manger with your praise, New Philly. A humble place in your hearts and in the city of Seoul, where the Lord is worshipped and welcomed above all else. Growth and expansion is coming to this manger, this church. Many will be drawn by the star in the sky. And I believe three wise ones will come. Just as three wise men responded to that other star in the sky 2,000 years ago. I believe three strategic divine appointments and connections are coming for your church. And they will bring their offerings, their frankincense, myrrh, and gold. They will be ones you respect, and they will come not to control or take over, but they will come alongside of you and help you to steward it. That's a prophetic word and vision that Rob Hodgkin received for us that night, February of 2010. Ironically, that's the same month when I first emailed Pastor Benjamin Robinson. And we invited him to come speak for our conference. And he agreed. And later that summer is when I first met Pastor Benjamin Robinson. And I would like to testify that Pastor Benjamin is certainly one of the three wise ones that I believe that God has given us this strategic partnership with. Because he regularly comes alongside of us to help steward what God has called our community to. I think every one of our church campuses will be able to speak that out and agree that. Agree that Pastor Benjamin has been a wise man to our church. Amen. God knows I need some wise men around me. And uh, I'll leave it up to you guys to figure out who the other two are, okay? You guys try to figure that out. Uh, But God has done it. There are three wise men that he has strategically aligned us to who regularly come alongside of us. Ones that we perceive as wise that are helping us to steward the vision that God has put on New Philly. And let me tell you, we have certainly experienced growth and expansion since this word was spoken. In February of 2010, New Philly had an average of 110 people. We were only here at one campus with 51 leaders. 110 people, 51 leaders. That was our church back in February of 2010. Do you know where we are at today? In the last few weeks, our church has been averaging 450 in attendance at four campuses, and we have 252 committed, beautiful leaders. What Rob Hodgkin spoke out, what the Lord spoke out through Rob Hodgkin, God has already been fulfilling. Amen? I'm, I was getting excited writing this stuff up. Y'all need, y'all need to get excited, get hyped. This ain't the work of Pastor Christian, although I've contributed the leadership to it. This is what Lord, the Lord is doing. It's his will. And he's found people that are partnering with him. That are obeying his voice. And the Lord is bringing this growth expansion and alignment. There are visions that have already been fulfilled for our church. And then there are visions. As Habakkuk 2.3 says. That await its appointed time. 
The Lord assures us today that the prophecies that he has spoken over our church that have not been fulfilled yet are not a lie. They are not a lie. In fact, God is hastening us toward their fulfillment. And the word of God says, if it seems slow, wait for it. Wait just a little longer because the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. Amen. In fact, the time draws near and is already now here for God to take our community into new levels. This year is not just like any other year. If you have not perceived it, let me point it out for you today. Check this out. First, we are planning a church in Australia. Today, our Sydney church plant is having their first practice service. Pastor Paul Yu is going to be preaching. Our four horsemen, our, our, our punch team, they're down there. And they're going to be having an all-out service with bulletins and X-banners and everything like we do here. They've set up service teams and welcoming teams. We're, and on April 6th, we're going to be opening up officially to the public. That's first. Second, our Emmaus College Ministry, if you didn't notice, our staff team has more than doubled. Think about it this way. Many ministries recruit staff once a ministry grows. But New Philly, we commit our resources in faith up front. Very risky. (laughs) See, when God prompts us to prepare for growth, we do it before we see anything in the natural. People criticize uh, me all the time, but they don't criticize me. I'm making it up in my mind, I guess. Nobody's actually said it, but I'm thinking they're thinking it. You know, they'll be like, you know, we got like, you know, 10 full-time pastors. And we have a church of like 6,000. And each full-time pastor oversees, you know, like 600 people. And how many staff do you have, Christian? And I'll be like, well, we got like 24 (laughs) full-time staff. We only have a church of about 450 So, yeah, I guess our people are a little bit harder to shepherd. I don't know. (laughs) But I think one of the big reasons why we commit our resources resources up front is because we're being attentive to what the voice of the Lord is saying. And the Lord is saying, remember, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers. That's all we're doing. The Lord is saying the harvest is plentiful out on these college campuses. But the workers are few. I'm about to bring even greater growth to Yonsei and Iwa, to SNU, to KU. But you got to prepare for the growth. And I, I, I believe Emmaus is going to go international. Um, it's just too good to keep it in Korea. It's got to go international. I believe one day we're going to get a phone call from Taiwan or Hong Kong or Singapore or all three. And they're going to be like, we heard about Emmaus. In fact, some of our students were Emmaus alumni, and they're back in our, in our church, and they're driving us crazy because they're so in love with Jesus. What have you done to them? And you, can you come and do that here? I believe we're going to get phone calls like that. We've got to be ready for that day. You can't create leaders overnight. So you've got to build them up for the day of the appointed time. If you really believe it, you've got to prepare for it. Our church is a special season. Third, understand, I just finished seminary. And because I I passed the ordination exam on Monday, I'm about to get ordained. Now, personally, none of this was on my plans. You know, I'm not a big respecter of persons. I don't care about credentials so much. So this is not part of my personal plan to get a seminary degree or an ordination. I would have been happy just, you know, serving like, you know, Bill Hybels or, you know, like Joel Olstein or Jim Cimbala. These are all wonderful pastors in America. They don't have a seminary degree. They don't have an ordination. But they got the anointing. That's what's more important, right? You have that anointing. You can have all the credentials, but without the anointing and power of God, you ain't going to see much fruit. So I was like, well, I got, I got the anointing. I know I got the anointing. I don't need no man to tell me I'm ordained. I know God's calling me. But the Lord spoke through Pastor Benjamin and spoke through Pastor Huang, my senior pastor. 
And the Lord said, in the spirit of sonship, I want you to submit and honor what's on their hearts because I'm putting it on their hearts. And so I went through the last six years painfully. (laughs) Painfully but joyfully. And I finished seminary. And I believe that God did this, my graduation and ordination, to mark the season in which our church is in. God is saying, there's a new season. This is an appointed time. Heaven has been waiting a very long time for New Philly to reach this point. And we are here. For the first time ever, I will be able to focus on New Philly full time with an undivided heart. I'm going to be freed up to travel, which was not, some, was not an option before. I can travel all throughout the year. Not that I'm going to travel and leave y'all. But I'm just saying, I can travel and make strategic connections that weren't there before. And you know what? I'm not, I'm not all for like, hey, your brother. Hey, Christian brother. Hey, I'm a Christian too. Your name is Christian. <laughs> We're just <laughs> brothers in Christ. Let's give each other a hug and work together. No, I'm not like that. And when I meet another man of God, when I need to meet another pastor, I'm like, what are you about? Because a lot of people doing ministry. There's not a lot of people doing ministry. So I don't just partner with just anybody. But let me tell you right now, God is, God is aligning and helping, having me meet certain people. Man, they, they, got the, they got the anointing. They got that fire. They got that hunger. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to partner with men like that. Men like Pastor Sonny over at Full Gospel Las Vegas. That, that young man... He honored New Philly way before New Philly was being honored. In the days when we were being slandered, he was honoring us for what we were truly carrying. He's a wise man. He's a discerning young man. But people like Pastor Sonny, you know, we're aligning with because God is about to do some powerful things right now. This is a special season, Amen. Based on those three things right there, our entire community should understand that we are living in a very special time. We're entering into a very special time. And it's incredible to think that the growth we have experienced these past five years happened while I was busy in seminary. Now, there are two ways to look at this. First, you can think, if New Philly prospered like that while Pastor Christian was in seminary, perhaps his return will kill the momentum. Or number two, you can think, if New Philly prospered like this while PC was in seminary, can you imagine what this man of God will do serving full time? For the last five years, God has blessed us. But the time is coming and has now come for our church community to be a blessing. We have been blessed To be a blessing. Amen. Amen. God has prepared our church community for influence. And let me tell you, it's already happening. In the ministry realm, it's already happening. And this includes all of our church campuses. Hillside, Etowan, Seaside, Sydney. It includes Emmaus. Our sons from afar. The Lord is saying once again over us, Isaiah 60 verse 1. Arise and shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Because you have gone through the period of testing. You have gone through a period of faithfulness in small things. The Lord is entrusting to us greater things. And he's saying, I'm putting my glory on you. That all the nations will be drawn to the brightness of your dawn. He has positioned our community for influence. This is a very special time. And I don't want any of you to miss it. None of you. I don't want nobody to miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. God is setting up divine appointments for our church. Strategic alignment and partnerships. He's sending wise men to partner with us. He's opening up doors for us to preach 
in the power of the Spirit to churches that we didn't even know existed before. For example, next, next week, Aaron and I, we're going to fly out to Shanghai. Don't tell Chinese government that, though. We're just checking off tourism. But anyway, it's okay because it, it, this is legal, all right? Don't worry about it, all right? I wouldn't even say, if I was doing something illegal, I wouldn't even tell you, okay? <laughs> anyway, we're going to go there, and we got invited by um, a church there that's an international ministry, just like us here in, in Korea. They're international ministry there in China, in Shanghai. And they are doing a youth retreat. And the pastor there heard about New Philly and was like, we want to invite you to come and speak. So Pastor Aaron is the main speaker. (laughs) She is. I'm not speaking at all. I need to focus on the church plant, so I'm not going to be speaking. She's going to look at me. I'm just going to be praying. Honey, you go, you go, you go. (laughs) Help her, Lord, help her. Doing great, honey. I'm not going to do no ministry. I mean, maybe maybe just, you know, a little healing deliverance stuff, but, you know, I'm not going to be preaching. Uh, But... When we got that invitation, we didn't even know what this church was. We didn't even know it existed. But the Lord has opened up these doors for us. And God is saying, the time is now. Let me talk to you individually. As individuals, especially those who are members of this church, you're in covenant community and you're experiencing the same grace that we are experiencing as a community as a whole in the ministry setting. That is going to apply also to you individually. And as individuals, God is also setting up at this hour divine appointments in your workplace, on the streets, at a birthday party, or at a prayer meeting, or on the missions field. God is setting things up for you as individuals as well as a community. But how tragic would it be if you miss out? Just because you're late. You see, God is committed to the appointed time. If you're not committed to the appointed time, and you show up a little bit late, you might just miss out. Or you might just cause an unnecessary detour or delay in God's perfect will for your life. Punctuality is not just about integrity and showing up on time punctuality is a matter of faith brothers and sisters if you truly believe that god appoints times then it's important that you show up on time at the appointed time but when we are in a habit of being late continually it's very likely that we might miss out on what god's doing at this hour you know god has set his plan in motion for the reunification of korea we at New Philly here, we, that's what we believe as a church. We've been praying for the last five, six years. And the Lord has spoken to our leaders through prophetic voices how he is going to use a reunified Korea to bring peace to a world that's about to be shaken. Those are the types of prophetic words that we received. So although in the natural, North Korea looks like it's getting worse or nothing's really changing. In the spirit, God has said it's already done. Just pray it out. And so we've been praying. But how tragic if this reunification is delayed. Because we are delayed and late in going to the place of prayer. You know, there are certain things God's appointed. But he has also ordained our prayers to bring about his will at that appointed time. But when the Lord cannot find faith on the earth, when he cannot find people that are coming out to pray faithfully, punctually, again and again with greater and greater precision, if he can't find people to partner with like that, the appointed time may just be delayed because he has to look for new people that are willing to do that. God has a plan to open up North Korea and reunify this land. But we have got to show up and pray. If we don't want that to delay, then we must not delay to the place of prayer. 
We've got to continually keep that fire burning, brothers and sisters. Amen? Church, this is not the hour for us to dilly-dally. If I say dilly-dally, I don't really use that word. But I couldn't think of a better word here. This is not the hour for us to dilly-dally with our tardiness. I want you to put priority on forming habits and punctuality. Because not only does it communicate our integrity, but it is also our response to God's call for what he is doing in this prophetic season. God has set his appointed time for what he's doing in New Philly, in Korea, in the nations, and in your personal life. Don't forfeit it with your tardiness. Let me tell you, let me tell you real quick, a, a good example. God can appoint for you to get an amazing new job with Google. Wow, God, that's awesome. You may not even be qualified. You may not even have a college degree. And God has appointed for you favor to work at Google. But you know, if you are in a habit of tardiness and lateness, and you have a job appointment, you have a job re-interview with Google, but because of these habits, that, that day you oversleep again, and you show up to the job interview late, do you think it, you might just forfeit or delay that appointed will of God for you? I know that as an employer, as a person who is looking for good talent all the time, Punctuality is a big factor that I look at. If you show up late to a job interview, most of the times you're in a major deficit. They're going through, you know, hundreds of names. You just made it easier for your name to be dropped off. You see, we got to be ready for these appointed times. And the way that we're going to be ready is we got to form habits of being a timely people. A punctual people. Amen? And we got to also be aware of the times that we're living in in the nations. You know, I highly recommend watching, uh, downloading the free podcast, the video podcast of NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams. It's free. It's good. I mean, you got you to understand the media spins certain things a certain way. All right, as long as you understand that, you're going to get the news that you need. And if you have been watching NBC Nightly News, it's crazy what's going on in the nations right now. You know what's going on in the Ukraine? In, in Crimea? I don't, know how to even, I don't even know how to say it. Crimea? 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 <laughs> I mean, I, it's real tense. I mean, America is up in there, and they are, there are sanctions coming from the European Union on Russia right now because Russia is acting as an aggressor going in and trying to take control. You know what's going on in Syria for the last few years? Civil war, nonstop. It's crazy. Not just even the, the wars and civil wars, but the severe weather patterns. In America right now, they are going through, they're breaking every weather record ever set for droughts, floods, s- snow, tornadoes. Hurricane, I mean, I mean, they're just breaking every record. And it's happening like every two, three months. There's some, some uh, new uh, bomb fire. Like there's a f- uh, fire that's gone out of control over California. You know, at one point, about five months ago, there were like major fires in like half the country. Like 25 of the states of America, there were like a major fire. Or going out of control. Crazy. If you don't watch NBC Nightly News, you wouldn't even know none of that. I'm telling you right now. You're like, what, what that happened? Yeah, that happened in your home state. You don't even know. There are even spectacular signs in space and in the Earth's atmosphere. There are great frequency right now of like just like people because people have smartphones now. They're video recording it as it happens. So there's this crazy comets just coming into the Earth's atmosphere and exploding and amazingly killing no one. But they're just exploding everywhere, all of the earth. Russia, America, like middle of like Iowa. I don't know, like pe- places that you would not expect. There's like comets like just flying all over, debris everywhere. Crazy. Anyway, if you read the Bible, the Bible says that there will be signs in the heavens. You know, these cosmic signs, they're signs of the end times. This is an unusual hour we live in is what I'm trying to say. And it requires that we be unusually diligent. 
in prayer, self-control, watching for the Lord on how he fulfills his word. This is not the time for, to get complacent because life is good and I can pay my rent on time. I'm saving a little bit of money and I'm looking forward to my marriage. This is not the time to get complacent. This is a time for you to be self-controlled so you can pray and watch how the Lord is pushing forward his will on this earth. You know, every four years, world-class athletes from all over the world, they compete in the Summer Olympics. Previous month, they competed in the Winter Olympics. Uh, This upcoming summer, they're going to be competing in the World Cup. You know, you guys know Brazil. All right, it's going to be hosting the World Cup. Very exciting. If we as a church, think of it this way. If we were a community of athletes, I know we got some athletes in here. We got uh, our brother Eugene Lee in the back. He recently took up boxing classes. And he post, somebody posted pictures of him right after his first amateur fight. And it was not pretty. All right. He won, but he looked like he lost. <laughs> looked like he got beat up and everything. But he, you know, he, he sees himself as an athlete. And so we're going to see how far this boxing thing goes. But what I do want to say is, Eugene, you, you, should, uh, you should give up wrestling. I heard what happened at the Emmaus retreat. <laughs> All right. I got to put the men of God on blast, you know. Um, but if we as a church, we were a community of athletes, I am telling you as your coach that we are months away from the next Olympics. We're months away from the next World Cup. This is not the time to dilly-dally. This is the time to exercise self-control, eat right, show up on time, and practice like we are going to win the gold. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 24 through 27. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 through 27. I'm going to read that in the ESV. If you don't have your Bible with you, just listen. 1 Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Their diet, how they spend their time, whether they go to practice, whether they avoid certain activities. They exercise self-control in all things, and they do it to receive a perishable wreath or a perishable crown or a perishable medal or a trophy that you just hold for like five minutes, you know, and then you give it up to your teammates, you know. And People compete for a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, and I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body, and I keep it under control. We're going to stop right there. Why should you be more punctual? Why should you manage the time better? Number your days. Why should, be, why should you be more wise with time? And I'm telling you today. Because all of that is integrated into how you live your life. And the Bible, through the Apostle Paul, is saying, when you live your life, it's like a marathon. You ever see a marathon start? That's like a sea of people. Like 5,000 people. Anyone in here, you ever ran a marathon? You ever ran a marathon? Oh, Jasmine, Pastor John, how many of you guys finished the marathon? Oh, hallelujah. Okay, God bless you both. Okay. Uh, for the rest of us mortals, <laughs> uh, there are a lot of people, they start out at that finish line, but not everybody finishes that race. Okay? Not only that, out of the thousands of people, not only the majority, uh, minor, some of the people don't finish, there's only one person that wins the prize. 
The Apostle Paul is not even saying finish the marathon. He's saying run the marathon as if you're going to win. It's a totally different mindset. But we as Christians, a lot of times, our mindset is, I hope I can just get to the halfway mark of this marathon. We have the survival mentality. Because we don't really know who we are. And we don't understand the weight of what God is entrusting to us and calling us to. And so we have this really weak perspective on how we ought to live our lives. But the Apostle Paul, if there was a man that was competing for the championship, who was running like he was going for the gold, that would have been the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul was unstoppable. If we could just live with a fraction of his zeal, we will live lives that will be far more impactful. Compete for the gold. Tell your neighbor that. Compete for the gold. gold. You know, one time I read the um, routine of Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, I believe he has won five gold medals. Was it five? Four or five. Anyway, three consecutive Olympics. He's taken the gold, especially in that um, butterfly and the freestyle. And if if you know Michael Phelps, and you study his routine, you will learn a lot about your Christian life. Because this guy is doing it for a perishable gold medal. But God has called us to compete for a crown that will never perish. Honor and glory that is far more greater honor and glory than any Olympic championship. So just watch Michael Phelps. Because it's a picture of how we ought to live our lives. And that's why the Apostle Paul is Borrowing this imagery. You know what Michael Phelps does? He has this regular routine. He wakes up early in the morning. He, he, He does his practices. And he's always on time when he does his practices. Every single day, he practices a certain routine. And then on the day of a competition, I think it's the night before or the day before, he'll come in and he'll just continually replay the entire race in his mind. He just continue to replay it. And he'll replay the perfect turn. And he'll replay it in his mind. And he'll, re- he'll replay the perfect um, breathing while he's going on the butterfly or the freestyle. And he just replay it over and over in his mind. So on the day of the competition, he's not nervous. Why? Because it's familiar territory. He has prepared. When he prepares, he doesn't prepare, oh, let me just get up in the rankings. Oh, let me just show up on TV. He prepares like, let me get that gold medal again. Just as an athlete deals with their punctuality and their self-control, the Bible says here, an athlete exercises self-control in all things. We as Christians, we ought to exercise self-control in all things as well. Self-control in our speech. Self-control with our visual life, brothers. Self-control in how we show up on time. You know, a lot of times we don't show up on time because we want to eat that biscuit. We want to eat that banana. You know you're late already. <laughs> but you're like, oh, I'm just going to eat this banana real quick. <laughs> I'm going to get some orange juice. <laughs> and all of a sudden, three minutes have already passed. And you're already three minutes into your one-minute lateness. You know, it's self-control. we got to exercise self-control. we got to make sacrifices to be on time. Even if the other person is not on time, you're like, oh, I'm going to meet... Um, Anna Rowe, and you know, you know how Anna Rowe is. So I'm not saying Anna Rowe's late. I don't know what, how she's like, but uh, I'll find out, I guess, this year because she's an intern pastor. But uh, Anna, you know, Anna Rowe, you know, she never shows up on time. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to try either. No, that's not the mentality of an athlete competing for the gold. We got to show up on time. We got to be punctual. You know, there are certain times. When punctuality and being late can be costly and even devastating. For example, if you're late to a job interview, I already mentioned that. If you're an hour late to date night with your wife. It never happens when you're dating. But when you're married, it seems to happen a lot. 
But if you're an hour late, you know, the wife will be forgiving with 10, 15 minutes. But if you're an hour late, oh, snap. <laughs> it's going to be tension throughout the whole weekend. Uh, if you're late to your final exam, that could be devastating. You might just fail the class. If you're late to your SATs, anyone in here, you were late to your SATs. All right, don't raise your hand. That's not something to be <laughs> proud of. Or a doctor being late to a woman in labor. Oh, I'm, I'm real sorry. I just have this habit of lateness. I'm real sorry. Where were you? I'm about to get birth. You're going to need another doctor after I get done with you. Or if you're a quarterback and you're late to hike the ball at the Super Bowl with five seconds remaining in the game and being forced out of field goal range because you have to take that delay of game penalty. That's devastating. If a person, if a quarterback loses the Super Bowl that way, they might just get lynched. I know in in Philadelphia, you know, Philly... Philly is a very passionate town of sports fans. And back when I was a child in in middle school, we went to the World Series against the Toronto Blue Jays. And we were about to win. We were favored to win. We should have won against those Canadians. I remember real clear because my youth pastor was from Toronto. And he kept rubbing it in. And all, all the whole youth group was from Philly. And I remember there was this guy. Everyone knows him. The whole city of Philadelphia knows him. His name was Mitch Williams. And he was, he was a relief pitcher. He, all he had to do, the game was already won. We were leading. World Series. All he had to do was just end the game. Do what we pay you to do. And you know what? It, he throws a home run. And we lost the game. You know, after that, Mitch Williams had to go into protective custody. (laughs) (laughs) Rightly so! How are you going to lose a game like that? But you know, if you're you're a quarterback at a Super Bowl and you lose a game because you're late to hike the ball, something as simple as just, because I've got a habit of being late. No, that's that's not an athlete that's ready to win the championship. They're not competing for the goal. They're just competing just to play. But the Bible says, live your life. Like an athlete competing for the gold, competing for the championship. Because of the prophetic season and the appointed time that we live in, we can be confident that God will not only set up divine appointments, but he will give us the grace to get there on time. Do you believe this, church? No matter how many times you tried in the past and you failed, I'm here to say today that the power of God can break any bad habit. I mean, just think about it. If the power of God has been known to break the habit of drug addiction, alcoholism, violence, don't you think God's power will also break bad habits of lateness? Some of you in here today, you need to repent. You need to repent. You see, we think tardiness, lateness is a trespass that is only horizontal with our fellow man. Uh, how do we know this? Because when we are late, we only think to apologize to the person that we were late in meeting. We don't for a moment think, oh, I should repent before God. I should apologize to God. But we have to understand that lack of punctuality is not just horizontal. It's also vertical. I'll point it out for you. You see, it's not just a trespass against a man, but it's also one against God. I'll give you two very clear support to back up this reason. First, it's a trespass against God because a pattern of tardiness is a form of deception. As I mentioned in my previous sermon, punctuality has to do with integrity because it proves whether you can be a man or woman of your word. When you promise to show up on time, but you are repeatedly late, the next time you make a promise, you are lying. 
you are lying because you're making a promise that you don't really intend to keep. And so not only ought you to apologize to your fellow man, you ought to repent before God because you are deceiving others. And God has commanded in the Ten Commandments, you shall not give false testimony. You shall not lie. But when you refuse to deal with your habitual lateness, you're living under deception. You love giving off the impression, oh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a lateness issue. I don't have a lateness issue. You know, if you really want to know whether you struggle with lateness or not, talk to your roommate. Talk to your sibling. Talk to your mama. They'll tell you for real. You know, when I was a young man, when I was 24 years old, I said, I got no issue with lateness. I don't have no lateness issue. I was able to believe that. Continually, I was able to believe that until I got married. When I got married, there's another human being that I could not run away from. And she saw my life 24-7. And man, I was late a lot. You know why? Because she was late a lot. <laughs> we were partners in crime. We'd be late together. <laughs> and I'd be like, honey, why are you always so late? Wait a minute. I came in with you. And... Anyway, lateness is trespass against God because it's a form of deception. Second, it is a trespass against God because tardiness is a form of theft. You see, being late is a very selfish act because essentially you are putting your needs above someone else's. You want an extra minute to do what you like. Brush your hair, go and get a beverage, uh, play a game on your smartphone. But by gaining that minute for yourself, you are taking it from someone else who's waiting for you. This is a form of theft. I'll tell you uh, a little story. I think I told the story before. When I was a freshman at New York University, I was uh, actually a sophomore at New York University. I was living in the East Village, 3rd and third, third Avenue and 11th Street. I was uh, 14th Street. I'm sorry. No. 11th Street, 11th and 3rd Avenue. I was living on that on the uh, apartment corner there, and one time I uh, I volunteered to join the body worship team because I was amazing at body worship. I I say, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. I mean, I was body worship king back then. Anyway, so I I volunteered one time. My small group leader and his friend, they came to pick me up from my apartment. And they were, they called me up and they, you know, back then we just had like regular cell phones. I had this like Sony square. Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Um, I told him, you know, I'll come down by 630. You know, we made a promise. I'll come down. I'll meet you. And there are people in the car. My small group leader, his friend, and there are a couple other people in the car. They're waiting. There are like three or four people in that car. They're waiting. And you know what I did at 630? I'll tell you what I did at 624. Okay, at 624, at that time, I was working out because I wanted to beef up. At that time, I was like 152 pounds. And I was, my goal was to reach 180. Uh, today, I'm like 138 pounds. I lost a lot of weight. <laughs> but man, I was, I was beefing up. I was, I was pretty bulky. And, and I just worked out. And after a good workout, you got to get at least 30 to 40 grams of protein in your system. And you got to do it within 45 minutes after your workout. Because that's when the window of opportunity is greatest for your muscles to absorb that protein. And so I started cooking up a steak. (laughs) 624. (laughs) And, you know, the intercom, you have to press the button for for you to let people in, right? And so... 624, I'm, I'm, I'm like cooking up that steak, and I'm like, I can, I can hurry up and eat. I can do this. I can do this, right? 632, and I take the steak out, you know, and then they, they arrive, like 631, 632, and they bring it bring up, and they're like, hey, hey, hurry up. Hurry up, boy. It's uh, my friend Bobby O. He's all yelling at me because, you know, we're, we're both from the ghetto, and, we're, you know, we're both urban like that. And he's like, hurry up and come down. I was like, yeah, 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 I'll be down, I'll be down. I'm like scarfing down my steak, right? I'm trying to hurry up. And it's like 6.41 by now. It's like eight minutes have passed. I'm trying to hurry up, put on my clothes, whatever, you know. 
And all of a sudden, Bobby enters my apartment. And he comes, hey, why are you so? Oh, you is selfish. You is so, you eating steak. You eating, we're, for you down, we're waiting for you down here and you eating steak. Oh, you is selfish. I'm telling everybody. And I felt so embarrassed. I said, no, no, no. I didn't want to hurry up. And I'll, I'll be done. I'll be done. Oh, you selfish. I put down that steak. I went inside the car. The first thing Bobby said, he was eating steak down there. He was eating steak up there. Selfish. And you know what? That was God speaking through Bobby. Because you know what? It, lateness is, is selfish. And not only is it selfish, it's a form of theft. When you make people wait for you, you rob them of the time that they'll never get back. They may have made sacrifices to show up on time. They may have had to wake up extra early. So they told their child, I'm sorry, no bedtime story for you tonight. Little child's sad and you're heartbroken, but I got to be on time to meet Anna Rowe tomorrow. They may have skipped breakfast when normally they love eating breakfast, but I got to be on time. They may have left early from another important meeting, much more important than the one that they're about to go to with you, but they want to be punctual. So they leave early from that meeting. Or they may have ran feverishly because they are also late and they're trying to be on time that day. And they're just sweating. And they get to that subway stop, exit three, right on time. And they got to wait another 15 minutes for you to show up. And they're thinking, why did I look like a fool running through the subway? Or they may have even paid to get in a taxi. Ever happened to you? You're like, come on, honey, we got to hurry up. We got to get, all right, we got to take the taxi. Taxi! And then you get in, and you pay. You pay that, you know, 2000 3000 whatever it is now, you know. You pay that money, and you're like, oh, this is worth it because I'm on time. Until you go to exit three of that subway station, and your friend is not there. Your lateness nullifies all those sacrifices. As the... Uh, author of the website artofmanliness.com, he says something very interesting here. He says, if you wouldn't think of taking $10 from another man's wallet, you shouldn't think of stealing 10 minutes from him either. Being punctual shows that you value time yourself and thus wouldn't think of depriving others of this precious, limited resource. We know that lying and theft, they're forbidden by God. And when we commit these sins, we got to repent. Especially when we have become complacent with this habitual lateness. We got, to com- we got to repent. Because we are lying and we are thieving every time we show up late. For some of you, you need to repent because you fall into a mindset of futility regarding punctuality. You think it's hopeless. But your hopelessness... Says more, your hopelessness, your hopelessness about punctuality says more about your faith in God than your ability to be self disciplined. You see, futility for a non believer is futility. But futility for a believer is a form of unbelief. Think about it you have the Spirit of God living inside of you. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. With access to all these rich resources and grace. When we feel helpless, that's not futility. That's unbelief. Do you believe that you have access to that grace or not? Do you believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is at work inside of you or not? Sin and death have no hold on you. But Satan has deceived you into thinking it's impossible To break this bondage. And I'm here to tell you today. You got to break it. The power of God is available to you. To break out of this bondage. Punctuality does not depend solely on you. 
God is here to help you develop new habits. Amen? Many times Christians, we relegate God to the spiritual realm. And we think that he has nothing to do with the natural realm. But scripture says that God is the Lord of heaven and earth. He wants to be the Lord over not just your spiritual walk, but over your tangible physical walk, your physical life. Romans 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What's the Bible verse trying to say? In other words, if the Holy Spirit woke up Jesus from the dead, he can wake you up in the morning to be on time. That's what that verse is saying. I should come up with my own paraphrased Bible, right? It'd be like the, the, the ghetto message. You know, there's the message by Eugene Peterson. Might as well be. Anyway, anyway, let's wrap it up. Uh, just as Jesus preached, repent and believe. I not only want you to repent today. I want you to believe that God is imparting a new grace to you as you hear this word. The gospel message does not say have faith in yourself and you can achieve anything. That's the American dream. That's the uh, Olympics videos. Put your mind to something and you can achieve anything. No, you can't. If you can't ski, you can't ski. <laughs> if you ain't tall, you, you, most of y'all probably don't have the skills to be a professional basketball player. Send your mind to everything is not going to get you your dreams. When, you, when, when we as a church say dream big, we mean dream big in light of sober judgment of what God has given you. If you can't sing, you can't sing. The gospel message is not have faith in yourself and you can do anything. Yeah. It's not go home, everybody, and try harder. Yeah. My message today is Philippians 1.6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will co- bring it to completion onto the day of Christ Jesus. It's meaning God has already at work in you to make you a punctual person. But you got to understand and believe that the spirit of God is working in you and you got to do your part Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God's good pleasure that you be a punctual person. And God is at work in you already, both to will and to work according to that good pleasure. You got to believe it's a new day and there's a new grace. So rise up and be punctual. And I can give you good news right now. Personally, I've been seeing a greater level of punctuality in my life the last Three weeks since I preached my message. It's powerful. I preached my message and I was, it was powerful. The power of God went out. And all of a sudden there was a new grace on me to be on time. You can check my office hour records. All right. I've been pretty punctual. All right. Some, sometimes right on time. One minute, two minutes late. That's usually because somebody didn't send the elevator down to, downstairs to the first floor. Anyway, um, I love y'all staff. But I'm, I'm showing up on time. I'm showing up. On time to my appointments, trying to get there even a little bit earlier. I've been waking up a little bit earlier. It's a new grace. And I want y'all to take it. Because this is the hour. It's a special hour. It's a special season when God's about to do some stuff. And y'all need to stop forfeiting it through being lazy and careless about punctuality. Got to redeem the time. If you really believe it's God's appointed season and time for you. And God's about to fulfill some prophetic key words over your life, over this nation, over this church. Then you got to rise up and live and compete like you're going to go for the gold. I don't want to lead a church full of people that just want to finish the marathon. How amazing will it be when the church is full of people that are running like they're going to win that marathon. Live your lives like that, church. Repent of your ways and believe God's grace is here today. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your vision for our lives, your vision for this nation, your prophetic vision for our church. It awaits its appointed time. And, Lord, we want to rise up and welcome that appointed time. We want to be found ready we want to find we want you to find us with our oil lamps burning 
at that appointed time. And we know that although it seems slow, you are hastening it to its fulfillment. And it will surely come and it will not delay. So Father, help us to rise up at this hour and become a punctual people who are reflecting the glory of God who is always punctual himself. Father, I just prophesy fresh grace over every person listening to this message. At Itaewon, at Seaside, every person who's listening to this message on MP3 or through the video and in this room. I just decree and declare new grace for you today. Grace for you to be self-controlled. Grace for you to think of others and not only your own interests. Grace of God to be punctual, professional, to be excellent, to live your life as if you are competing for the gold. I just speak out this life, this grace over you. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here present and present in people's rooms as he listens to this message. Your spirit is present. The spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is present in this room. It's present in our physical bodies. And so, Father, we want to rise up. We want to begin to form new habits knowing that there is no futility. There is no defeat. There is no hopelessness. It is all deception and lies. God has called his people to run the race and to compete for the goal. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm right, sir.